Dear fellow redeemed, it's one of those questions that we have accepted as probably a truism, one of those ideas that when you start to think about it, you realize the answer is, is neither, and the answer is both at the same time. The question of, well, the first one that might come to mind would be nature versus nurture. Was somebody just born this way, or did the way that they were brought up influence them and influence their personality and change them in this way or that? A similar question, and the one that we will talk about probably a little bit more, isn't the nature versus nurture debate, which we can talk about in Bible class, but the question of art and life. Does art imitate life, or does life imitate art? Does art imitate life, or does life imitate art? That is to say, looking at the artwork that has been produced over the centuries, and looking at the media that has been produced over the last century. Does art imitate life, or does life imitate art? Or is the answer a little bit of both, somewhere in the middle, that those who produce art, those who produce media, whether it's Hollywood or an artist of, of some stripe or shape or form, they produce what they both feel and what they want to express, as well as something that may sell, if there is a monetary value to it. And so in that sense, does Hollywood um, imitate life, or does life imitate Hollywood? Well, yes. But the question is more than that. Not just does art imitate life, does life imitate art, but even how do, how do the various forms of art influence our lives? Hollywood is perhaps a simple one, although after, after all the um, confusion of COVID, it seems that the, the stream of movies has dropped off considerably, and the movie theaters are wringing their hands and wondering what will come next. And what will come next? Well, maybe it's Netflix or Hulu or Amazon streaming, and they've all got a lot of the same ideas. Either it's going to be a documentary of some sort, or it's going to be a sitcom that provides a caricature of life. A sitcom that provides a caricature of life, and you can, you can probably imagine that and think of some examples for yourself, where the main characters, whether they are family members in a household or co-workers at work or just friends who happen to live across the hall from one another, that they aren't, they aren't characters in the same way that they are in some way or shape exaggerated. Where the, the father in, um, you know, like the father who happens to be a Bears fan, maybe. Um, I forget the name of that one, but we watched it for a long time. The father is this exaggerated image of a man who was part of rough and tumble Chicago. Or you've got um, Seinfeld and the crazy guy across the hall who is just a little bit more than anyone had ever anticipated. And he says things that are just totally out of the bounds. Art imitates life, life imitates art. But when art imitates life, it's exaggerated and distorted. And why that matters is because Jesus is talking about duty today. 
And even in our first reading, in our first reading from First Chronicles, David had talked about his duty as well. And it sounds so utterly strange to our ears. When David is rejoicing, he is joyful. He says, you know, I've gathered all these things and I've done my best to make sure that Solomon has everything that he needs, when he needs it, and where he needs it. And I've done my duty above and beyond. But the shocking thing about David saying that is that he comes across as joyful. Like this has been his joy to have, to have done his duty in preparing for the Lord's temple. And then when you get to Jesus, and it, it sounds like it's, it's so encouraging, the first four verses talking about, um, talking about forgiveness. And the disciples are saying, you know, this is impossible. Who can do this? Lord, increase our faith. How can I forgive somebody? How can I forgive somebody who has hurt me so deeply? Lord, increase our faith. And he answers them. With that, with that close of a door, that pound of the gavel at the very end, um, it sounds almost dour. So also you, when you have done all that you are commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what we are supposed to do. This is the gospel of the Lord. And after a few weeks of the difficult sayings of Jesus, the hard topics that Jesus had addressed, you get to this gospel lesson today, and it's like, all right, I'm, I'm looking for some encouragement, and Jesus is talking about faith, and he's talking about the incredible things that faith does, and then he ends with that. That I'm in this parable, if I'm reading this correctly, that I am to be like the, the servant coming in from the field after a long day's work, and the servant who finally sits down after doing all the serving inside the house as well, thank the Lord, I am only an unworthy servant. I did what I was supposed to do. And that question, does art imitate life? Does life imitate art? And to what extent have the caricatures that we see influenced the way we think about duty? To what extent, when, um, when Jim, and leave it to Jim, is not thinking straight, when whichever cartoon character it happens to be, whether Homer Simpson or somebody similar, whenever the friends get together and are shirking off their duties, to what extent has that art and that attitude influenced our thinking without us even recognizing it? Does art imitate life? So that, so that when we hear Jesus talk about duty, that just grinds on our nerves. It grinds on our nerves and uh, almost, like, almost like a cheese grater on our heart. Lord, don't talk like that. I don't want it to be, I don't want it to be just, all right, I've done my duty, I've done what is expected of me, and now, now I can go do what I really want to do. Does art imitate life? Or... Does life imitate art? And maybe it is the other way around, where you and I, by nature, you and I, by nature, especially, we, we still have that sinful flesh that clings to us. And especially when our hearts have been informed and our minds have been informed about what our Christian duty actually is. 
when we have been informed about the responsibilities that God has given to each of us as a, as a parent or as a child, as a single person or as a spouse, when we see the responsibilities that God has given to us as congregation members who worship with other congregation members who are equally committed to this Lord, we don't need the outside influence of the friends in New York to tell us that we don't like duty. We don't need Kramer sliding in and convincing us that duty isn't fun because we've got that already. We've got that already in that, that heart that wants to, wants to restrain the joy that Christians have about their duty. And that's the heart of it. That when we talk about Christian duty here, here are clear words from our Savior. Our Savior who, above all, recognized that his duty, his God-given responsibility, the task that God had laid before him specifically for him and no one else, was something that would be a joy to him, even though it would be difficult. That the task that God had laid before him was, yes, a duty, specifically tailored to him and only to him, with responsibilities that were his alone. He's not overly um, overjoyed about the prospect of dying on the cross, but he is overjoyed at the result of finishing that duty. The result of finishing that duty. And what is the result? That David's prayer has been answered. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, preserve forever this purpose and way of thinking in the heart of your people. Direct their heart to you. And we are worshiping here in Solomon's temple and barely an imitation of it. But David's prayer has been answered because God has gathered his people again. And God has implanted and given into your heart the sense of joy that David expresses. That, that God has given for us and preserved for us still today. The sense of joy at all the blessings that our Lord has given and has continued to give to you and to me. So then why? Why is it that life imitates art or art imitates life or what do we do? What do we do when that sinful flesh says, I don't like the idea of duty? And I'll admit, you know, maybe it was a little bit of a nature or nurture question for you. Maybe you had been brought up with um, parents who had a, maybe a heavy hand or, um, or parents who didn't really understand forgiveness. Maybe you had some traumatic experiences in life. That happens. But what do we do about this aversion to, to duty? Because it's very simple to carry out the externals of duty and to miss out on the joy that David talks about. And that is exactly what Jesus wants for you and for me. He wants you and me to understand, to comprehend, to, yes, even feel that sense of joy that God has given you a set of tasks that are specifically and uniquely yours. God has given you a set of tasks that are specifically, uniquely yours, tailored to you for this particular time and this particular place, that God has given to you the people in your life and the people that you worship with 
for the express purpose of giving glory to his name and serving one another in love. And even just saying that, maybe you're having the thought, wow, that sounds difficult. That sounds like a lot. I'm busy enough as it is already. So we take a step back and look once again. And the main question that we have to consider first is where or if the joy of duty has been sucked out of your life. That you do what you're supposed to be doing as an employer or employee, as a, as a parent or child, as a spouse, um, as a neighbor, as a Christian. You do what you're supposed to do because that sense of duty is so absolutely ingrained that you can almost go on autopilot. Where you do what you're supposed to do because um, you can almost hear that voice in the back of your head, even though the person has been long gone, of what you ought to do. And this is what we do. And therefore, this is what I should do. And this Jesus, this Jesus wants you to have the joy that he talks about. The joy that he created you for this particular time, that he had you in mind and made you his own. The joy that every person that you meet or have a relationship with or even are related to in your life is also somebody that God has specifically planned and brought into your life as someone that you know, God had in mind for you to serve. Because whether art imitates life or life imitates art, the bottom line is that art is often a caricature where they can resolve all their conflicts in 30 minutes with commercial breaks instead of the endurance and the focus that says, here is what I ought to be doing. That God has given me a spouse, God has given me a congregation, God has given me children, or God has given me good Christian friends that I have an obligation to, an obligation of love. And the only reason that I've got that obligation of love is because my gracious Father in heaven has provided clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, spouse and children, land, cattle, and all that I own. And all this he did only because he is my good and gracious Father in heaven and not because I've earned or deserved it. And on top of that, that he didn't just provide it for you, but he bought you back and he redeemed you so that you can enjoy it and so that you can serve with it. And the two go hand in hand. It isn't, I'm either going to enjoy what my Lord has given to me, and I'm going to enjoy the relationships that I have with people, or I'm going to serve, and I'm going to put my nose to the grindstone and do my work. No, in the Christian understanding, these two go hand in hand. Because it's the joy of carrying out the task that your Lord has designed specifically for you. And it's the joy of living out a life that Jesus has won back and given to you that you have a life that you know goes beyond this life that you aren't that you aren't like the rest of the world trying to wring out every last drop of joy and pushing aside all the duty as much as you can putting it out of your mind as much as you can because you need to have the joy now you don't know if you're going to have it later dear Christian your Lord hasn't overlooked you in the least when you talk about what your Lord has given to you, yes, 
He's given you your duty to be a joy. And yes, he's given you himself to encourage that truth. He's given you himself in his supper to say, dear Christian, here is the power and here is the ability to serve him again. He's given you himself and clothed you with himself in holy baptism where you can say with absolute certainty, there, there I know that my Lord took care of me and there my Lord clothed me in himself and yes, he gave me a new heart. That if I think about it and I look at what God says in his word, I can know for certain based on, based on what God says, like in Romans chapter 6, that it's a joy to do his will. It's not a drudgery. Does that sound difficult? Or foreign? Does that sound challenging? Then take one more step back. Because your Lord hasn't given you a duty that he hasn't already fulfilled. Yes, he has already fulfilled the greater duty, the task that lay before him of going to the cross and winning your forgiveness and mine. He has already fulfilled the greater duty of, um, of building a Christian congregation and a church, a church for himself. And he has promised, dear friend, dear friend, you've got blessings that go far beyond what you can see. And you've got basically one tiny little dot on the timeline of eternity where you can exercise your duty in this world, where you can serve those around you with whatever it is that, that they need and whatever your obligation is to them. Because you have a Lord who has given you everything. And as a result, <laughs> is it nature or nurture? Is it uh, art imitates life or life imitates art? One might say it's a little bit of both. That by nature, by nature, we who are dead in sin have been given a new life and nurtured by a Lord who has um, both won your forgiveness and continues to give it to you. Is it art imitates life or life imitates art? Well, we're influenced by the world around us and we can't get around that. But at the same time, maybe, just maybe, we ought to be more influenced by what our Lord says here that there is joy in doing his will and that even at the end of it thank you Lord for the opportunity to have simply done my duty Amen <laughs>